Blog Talk Radio. Back at it again. It's another edition of the NFL Draft Bible Player Spotlight Show with your host, Rick Saratello. we got a great one lined up for you today. Quite frankly, probably our biggest show of the year and the fastest prospect in this year's 2018 NFL Draft. We're going to welcome him into the show in just a moment. But first, I want to remind everybody, NFLDraftBible.com is on fire right now. All your can't stop, won't stop coverage. Counting you down to destination Dallas. We're less than 80 days away. Unbelievable. And uh, just a quick reminder, the National Scouting Combine this year's lead into the NFL Scouting Combine will be held February 26th, 27th, and 28th in Indianapolis at the Sports Zone there. Uh, Beyond Sports Network in affiliation with the NFL Draft Bible. For more information, visit NationalScoutingCombine.com. And our next guest is the marquee performer in the National Scouting Combine. He's Florida Atlantic wide receiver Jonathan Franklin III. He joins us right now on the NFL Draft Bible Player Spotlight Show. Welcoming into the show, fresh off of a workout. How are we doing today, Jonathan? Uh, I'm doing good, man. I feel great. Just got done with my morning session, one for the day. So, you know, feeling great right now. Well, let's start right there. Obviously, a lot of ground to cover, but bring us up to speed on what JF3 is working on currently. I know you're down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida at the Fit Factory, working out with your trainer there, Travis Shelton. Take us through your workout regimen. What's a typical day look like for you? What are you working on trying to achieve right now? Uh, Working on everything. Uh, You know, from transition to quarterback to receiver, I have a lot of fine-tuning things. Uh, A lot of my natural athletic ability covers the majority of it, but the fine-tuning of playing actual positioning, you know, route running, and just different things like that. It was a little different from playing quarterback. That's what I've been uh, working on the most, Uh, you know, Still working on my speed, you know, fine-tuning that and making sure I can go even faster at the combine. And, uh, you know, my wake-up uh, first session is normally around 10, 30, 11. Then, you know, I get a little break in between or relax in between sessions, you know, get my body recovered. And then you know, I'm back at it normally around 5, 36 o'clock for my second session. And it's like that, you know, Monday through, through Saturday, really. Probably get two days of rest out of the week, but... You know, you just got to put a time in, and, you know, you can't cheat the grind. You put in what you get out. Oh, it's time to grind, my man. We're less than 80 days away, and you mentioned making that transition from the quarterback position to wide receiver. And, you know, some might say that, you know, you're still raw and you're still developing at the wide receiver position. But if you're a glass half full, then you understand that, you know, the best is yet to come and there's room for improvement. Not only that, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, playing quarterback gives you a different perspective and maybe a better understanding of the wide receiver position because you kind of have that QB perspective now to go along with the wide receiver perspective. But what has been the biggest transition and what has been some of the challenges that you've, you know, gone through making the positional switch? Uh, honestly, you know, like you said, uh, playing a quarterback gives um, gives you a great insight on playing a receiver position. Uh, the biggest challenge, honestly, is playing without without the ball. Um, get from going to having to touch the ball every snap, to, uh, you know, sometimes you might get it. You might be wide open, you still might not get it. It's a different pace and a different way you have to approach the game. Just because 
I'm so used to having the ball in my hands every every time. I'm used to one having to make the play, which I personally enjoy. I personally love when the ball's in my hand because I like be having that control. But um, that's been something I've been trying to get used to uh, is playing without the ball. Um, you know, uh, but like I said, you know, uh, personally, a lot of people don't know. I never wanted to play quarterback. Uh, kind of got forced into playing a position in high school, and I just got fell in love with it, the leadership component of it fit, fit well with me and just be able to have the ball every play was something I really enjoyed. So I stuck with it. And, uh, but I feel like naturally I always, you know, my skill set will fit best that receiver. And, uh, that's ultimately what uh, made me made a change. Well, yeah, just to keep the record straight out there, all the scouts, coaches, GMs listening, you will now be participating in the national scouting combine strictly as wide receiver, showcasing that speed and I gotta ask because you did mention it uh earlier you're working on trying to get faster I mean I don't know how much faster we're gonna get I know that you will be competing with the uh John Ross that 4-2-2 time of a year ago because you've been timed as far as my understanding as fast as 4-2-5 on the laser time yeah um it was actually a funny story. Like my junior year, when I first got to Auburn, and we tested 40s on the laser, I ran a 4.28. And uh, the following year, the following spring, uh, Coach Russell was kind of like, we ran our uh, 40s again, and Coach Russell really didn't expect me to PR. Uh, but after I only got to run it once because he was like, if you PR, we only run it once. And he was like, I honestly, didn't expect you to to beat a 4.28 because it was already hard enough to go from 4.28 and to get any faster but you know just the training regimen and you know with the track background that I have you know just just a little fine-tuning increasing stride length turnover speed you know working out my uh getting my starts down pack and consistent just stuff like that that take little you know little, little seconds off the clock which make a big difference in the end absolutely talking to Jonathan Franklin the third from FAU joining us right now on the NFL Draft Bible Player Spotlight Show. He will be participating in the National Scouting Combine up in Indianapolis and uh, probably the fastest player that will be in Indianapolis, probably the, the fastest human being that will be walking the streets in, in Indianapolis the week of the NFL Scouting Combine. So we're looking forward to that. Now let's talk about this past season. Wait, before we do that, clarify the height and weight because uh, school sites – could always be misleading. I have you listed, John, six foot and a half, 186. Is that accurate? And also, where do you see yourself, your playing weight at the next level? Um, yeah, that's that's accurate. Um, and honestly, that's the weight I'm trying to maintain and play at. Uh, last summer when I was at Auburn, I got up to 195, but I played that season around 185. And, you know, playing in the SEC at that, at that weight kept me, you know, durable as well as still fast and quick. So that's the that's the playing weight I played at all this season too at Florida Atlantic, and that's the weight I plan on staying at. Not too worried about getting too big and all that because once again, my biggest attribute is my speed. So don't want to alter that too much because that's the greatest thing I have in my in my in my arsenal right now. So uh, 185 is a comfortable comfortable weight for me, especially coming into college freshman year at 164, trying to play quarterback at Florida State. So I've got to say, you know, I've put on some pounds, but. I feel very comfortable at that 185, 186 range. Between 185 and 190 is where I'm looking to stay at. Okay, very good. So let's talk about now this past season at Florida Atlantic. Lane Kiffin 
makes a phone call. I know I my understanding you because I think it was August it was a dead period. You weren't able to make an official visit, but you you get to chatting with Lane Kiffin, you decide to go to FAU. You guys have a very good season, eleven and three record and uh take us through the decision to come to FAU, the transition to wide receiver. Was that something discussed with Coach Kiffin? Was that the game plan all along? And then just talk about how your role evolved throughout the year, obviously getting your your hands uh, on the ball in a variety of ways and and picking up big chunks of yardage doing it. But just take us through this past season and what it was like from you, from your perspective. Uh, It was was definitely, I take it as a positive. Um, Really left um, Auburn because I, I felt like I needed to be around my family for you know a point in my a point in my career where I was going through a lot and I just needed the support of my family and being back home and that that was the biggest thing behind it is just, you know be, me being happy in my last year and trying to uh, you know just relying on the support of my family after a, you know a up and down type of career that I have which I'm blessed to have because I've learned a lot through it honestly and I wouldn't want it any other way because there's a lot of lessons that I learned throughout my career through all the ups and downs but um yeah it got to you know was blessed enough that coach Kiffin invited me to come down and play FAU and really I came to to learn you know get 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 reps at the receiver position but you know uh you know with the late such a late transition you know I was kind of behind and stuff but once I got caught up they were just really trying to figure out as many ways to get the ball in my hand as possible. And, you know, sometimes it's from quarterback, ended up playing running back a couple plays, you know, receiver. And, you know, we just really just to watch that program from being down here and knowing about FAU, FAU really wasn't a lot when I was growing up. But to be a part of something that, you know, to start a culture change and just to watch it go from the way it was to what all we accomplished this year was just a great a great thing to be a part of, and I was blessed to be and fortunate to be a part of it. Yeah, and like we said, you know, basically any time you touched the ball, whether it was catching the ball, running the ball, you averaged over 14 yards a touch. So anytime you touch the ball, boom, 14 yards. Now, you know, the average observer that's going to go Google your stats and say, oh, well, you know, he only had seven catches. He only had 95 receiving yards. He had 229 rushing yards. But would it be safe to say, Jonathan, that transitioning to a new team, learning a new playbook, learning a new position, I know just from from my experience that when you're going through all these transitions, it's pretty safe to say that it's hard to play naturally when you have – all the thinking going on and all these moving parts in your head. And like you said, you come on board late. So is it safe to say that due to the late start, due to the new school, new playbook, new position, that a lot of times you're, you're, you're out there thinking too much. And now with that year in the books and as you train specifically for wide receiver, it could be a much more natural progression. Is that safe to say? Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, that's you know, one of the things was like, I really came to get the experience and uh, to literally be, you know, every day in receiver drills, not worrying about you know. And, and when I was leaving Auburn, I you know that spring I did quarterback and receiver, so you know I was splitting time. But to fully devote my time into playing receiver, I learned a lot. You know, getting off press and 
you know, dropping my hips in certain rounds. And it's just it's just the little things that if you don't do it over and over and over, you really never get it. You know what I'm saying? And for for me personally, and my career, that that was a plus because I got to work on the the the, the minute details of playing the receiver position. And, you know, that's what I took away from this experience and from this past season is just really honing in on that craft, you know, and fine-tuning the technique part of the position. Jonathan Franklin the third here on the NFL Draft Bible Player Spotlight Show, FAU, Last Chance U, FSU. Uh, let's go back there, you know, Four teams in five years. Obviously, it's been well chronicled, and we'll we'll touch base on it briefly and just go through the timeline here. But you mentioned, you know, very um, beginning of the show that you kind of fell into the quarterback position by accident. So take us through the Florida State recruiting process and how did you wind up there? Oh uh, well, you know, coming out, um, started in high school came out of Little League playing receiver. I wanted to play receiver, and it wasn't until my high school coach stopped practice in the middle. You know, it was like, nah, you're playing quarterback. So, you know, I just stuck with it. Ended up starting a varsity my sophomore year. And I was real raw to position, but due to my, you know, just my athletic ability, I was able to excel. But I never really learned the game of football. I never really learned how to play the position from the quarterback. I was just an athlete that just made plays. And, um, you know, everybody was kind of scared to take that sh- that chance on me. Obviously, I could produce. Obviously, I had the physical talent to excel at the next level, but everybody was scared because, oh, he's raw. He, you know, hasn't been doing it. only been playing quarterback for two, three years. You know, quarterback's position, a lot of players play from birth. You know, as soon as they, you know, start playing football, they throwing all the time. And that wasn't, that wasn't the case for me. So, a lot of coaches wanted – I got recruited a lot as a receiver from high school. got recruited a lot as a DB. But I honestly just got tired of the back and forth flop. And I fell in love with having the ball every play. So, you know, I stuck to it. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to play quarterback. Turned down quite a bit of offers because they wanted to play receiver and other things. But that's not what I wanted to do at the time. And, um, you know, it's really when Coach Fisher, you know, went to Florida State camp my sophomore year, really caught attention to him, and he really liked what he saw. And he stated, he told me from that, that camp, he's like, I'm a, I'm I'm going to give you a, a scholarship. I can't do it today, but you keep improving. You're going to have a scholarship from here. So I kept working, went back to junior year, and went back senior year, and he offered me. And it wasn't until then where a lot of other schools then started to offer me a supporter that because he the one that took the chance, but he saw something in me. And I really loved how, you know, he – his his mind. So what me going to Florida State, I really went to to learn the game of football through a coach that's been proven. You know, he had E. J. Manuel. Then I got a chance to be mentored to sit behind Jameis, which I'm still who I'm still close with. And I really got a chance to learn how to learn the game, first of all. That was the biggest thing, learning the game of football, learning how to read coverages. Certain things that to this day still help me and I, you know, learn also learn the position of quarterback. And then, you know, from then on, he's just looking for an opportunity to, you know, be. And that's, you know, my time at Florida State really, I feel like, set me on a great path because it taught me the game of football first and foremost, and I'm forever grateful for doing that. Well, like you said, the learning experience didn't stop there. But Jimbo Fisher, a uh, great offensive mind, great quarterback mind, not very easy to play for. Many people don't know that. But you mentioned the national championship there with uh, Jameis Winston. Obviously, you guys beat Auburn. And I'll come back to Jameis uh, later on in the show. But 
let's go on to your next journey now. You've transferred to East Mississippi Community College where you become a household name on the Netflix Last Chance You. What was it like? What was that experience from a learning standpoint like? And what was it like going back and reliving it and actually watching it on Netflix, did you did you take the time to watch the show, or did you not pay any mind to it because you kind of lived it and said, I don't need to see it? Oh, uh, well, you know, to get East Mississippi, um, I, that decision came because, you know, after leaving Florida State, I didn't – I haven't played in a live game, you know, gotten the, the game reps in about two years. And, I, you know, I don't want to leave to go to another school without having the experience of playing a position at the college level at least or not playing for two years, period. You know, you play in high school from every play, and, you know, you sit, you sit behind a Heisman Trophy winner for two years. I haven't played a snap. So, you know, I was like, you know, instead of going to another school where I'm going to have to sit out a whole another year, let me go get some playing experience, and I was fortunate, you know, that uh, Coach Stevens um, extended me the invitation to come out the East. I didn't know anything about JUCO, period, because in Florida at the time we didn't have JUCOs. So it was brand new to me, but I just saw the benefits of it, you know, chance to get recruited nationally once again, and really just a chance to play. That's that's really what I was wanting, just a chance to play. So, you know, went to East, um, learned – East Mississippi is what changed me for the better. Uh, it humbled me in ways that, you know, I really didn't think I could be humble. Uh brought me down to my weakest point. And, honestly, that's why I, I grew the most as a man uh, and as a player is from when I, during my time at East Mississippi. Well, you know, that's time where I was real low. I actually thought about giving up football for once. And, you know, that's when I decided I never let somebody else determine my happiness and take my happiness, you know what I'm saying? And it was that's when I found my love for the for the game again. Because after not playing for two years you could kinda of just fall out of love with it. But all I loved to do before was play football. So I can't let anybody or my situations take my take my happiness from something that I love to do. So I love found my love for the game again. And um yeah, I, I, I you know lived it and it was a great experience. And looking back on it now, I mean, I didn't really enjoy it while I was there, but looking back on it, it's just like, man, I miss all those guys. I miss it because it was something that everybody can't do. It was really like that fraternity that everybody can't be in. And for that, that's something special for me. And I still stay in touch with all the guys there and coaches and stuff. But, yeah, um, I had a chance to watch it. only watched it once after it came out because you said I lived it. So it's not much, you know, that was my real life. That was real life for me. So, so uh, you know, I watched it. And uh, it was cool and everything, but I really didn't care too much about it until I went on this mission trip uh, this past summer. And when I went to Auburn, we went to, on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. And, you know, kind of on my spiritual side, got closer with God and really found out what my purpose and all that was. And that's when I really became grateful for actually being on the show. Um, you know, they betrayed me however they wanted to. You know, it's real life. That's what, and a lot of people don't understand. That's that's how it really goes, and it's real life. And you can either, you know, fold from it or you can build, come up from it. And it was in the mission mm-hmm. trip, to the mission trip, where I really learned, like, my purpose. And that's when I was appreciative of actually being on the show. Just because every day, literally, my DMs are flooded. People just telling me, oh, your your story inspired me to keep going. Uh, I hear everything from all over the world, Germany, Berlin, just crazy places where, like, the fact that I can impact somebody's life through my struggle, through my journey, 
you can't get much better than that. And that's when I became appreciative of actually being on the show because that alone could probably save somebody's life. And that's just through my struggle, through my pain, you know, just to see that, you know, as long as you don't have to quit, just keep going and trust in and believe, and it's something good going to come from it. So that made me appreciative of actually being on the show. And, you know, just instead of just being on a Netflix show, it actually may, means a lot more to me now than it did before. Yeah, and, you know, this is being streamed all over the country or all over the world, I should say. So you are literally um, being seen internationally from all over different countries. And um, we're talking to Jonathan Franklin III, a fascinating story, and the fastest man in the 2018 NFL draft with us right now. So, okay, you go, you transfer from East Mississippi, the JUCO, right? You go from the ACC to the JUCO, now to the SEC at Auburn. You, you mentioned the mission trip. Uh, Coach Malzahn there. Take us through that experience. Uh, you know, it was a great experience. Playing in the SEC is really nothing like it, um, that atmosphere, uh, that, that competition, playing on the west side, it was really – Nothing like it that I've experienced before, you know, playing against the top talent, you know, running away from guys like Miles Garrett and stuff like that. That's something you can't really experience to play in as a whole other world. And uh, to be able to succeed in that life, in that, that world, was, you know, was another just a confirmation that I belong here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I belong. I, I'm supposed to be doing this. Uh, and, you know, just another re- reassurance of, yeah, this is what you put out here to do, play football and, you know, impact the lives of others through your story and testimony. And uh, uh, Auburn was a great, great time. Uh, I learned a lot, had fun with all those guys. You know, we, I was so proud of them from this past year because all along from the moment, the 2017 season, 2016 season ended, the only goal was SEC championship. And to see that they made it, although they fell short, you know, it was, you know, it was satisfying because I've, I've been through a lot with those guys. You know, I, you know, before coming to FAU, I went through a whole summer, spring. We worked together for that. So to see them, you know, reach their goals and accomplish that, it was, it was satisfying for me because those are my brothers for life. And uh, I was happy for them. But, you know, Auburn was a great experience. I learned a lot and uh, played against a lot of great people. And um, it was just really, you know, after I decided to make that switch, you know, I gave it my full go, but I already knew I was behind, you know, behind the curve because we already had a, a roster full of talented young receivers, talented veteran receivers, you know, so I was just trying to find my way into it. And um, ultimately, you know, I told Coach Melzahn, it just, it just wasn't going to work. I just didn't, you know what I'm saying? It was just too late of a transition for me to get the time that I wanted to get. and. I was grateful, forever grateful, got an opportunity to graduate from a prestigious university such as Auburn. You know, I was forever grateful, left in good graces. And, you know, Coach Malzahn wanted what was best for me. He wanted me to be happy. And, you know, there was no bridges burned. And uh, that was the great part about it. And uh, to just so I could get my experience for this level, for this level, which was all built up for it, for this level, you know. I never was really one to think about playing on Saturdays. I always wanted to play on Sundays. You know, my dream was a ch- as a child was to play in the NFL and be, you know, be legendary and make, you know, leave leave a legacy everywhere you go. So, you know, it worked out for it worked out for you know great for everybody. And uh, that was a journey, you know, that I, I experienced that I appreciate a lot. 
Jonathan Franklin the third here on the NFL Draft Bible Player Spotlight Show. Don't blink, you might miss him. Um, you know, just a very interesting story. The the coaching legends alone uh, that you've played for, you know, Lane Kiffin, Gus Malzahn, Jimbo Fisher. I mean, these guys have all won national championships, whether it be as a head coach, assistant coach. Um, you mentioned, you know, you always dreamed about playing on Sundays, Jonathan. When did you realize that, you know, you have a unique talent? When did you fall in love with the game of football, first off? And secondly, when did you say to yourself, hey, you know what? I got a special talent here. Um, it was, you know, ever since I was four years old, my mom and dad introduced me and my brother to all the sports. My first sport was soccer. Played that for a year, never played it again. Don't even know nothing about soccer now. It just wasn't my thing. But, you know, played baseball, basketball, played football growing up all the way through high school, ran track, added track to the mix. And this is a back-to-back-to-back thing. So my childhood was never really – I never really had downtime. That's why when I have downtime now, I'm just like, what am I supposed to do with this? Because I never really experienced having a lot of downtime. Uh, And – you know, I actually took basketball more serious at first when I was younger, but then, you know, football was just always my love, always something I was just good at. You could see that I just felt better playing football and uh, just the excitement and the rush of it. But uh, it's probably my junior year when uh, I was in high school and a scout started to come out and look at me, and I was like, man, like, for my high school, which is not a big – it's a big high school in numbers, but not known for putting talent out. Maybe every year before me, uh, we've got one person that went Division One, and I actually thought about leaving my high school a couple of times just because, like, I wanted to get seen by the schools, the bigger schools, because I knew I had the talent to do it, but I didn't think, you know, my school – because of my school not being, you know, one of those prestigious schools, you know, other schools were trying to recruit me also. But, you know, my year, me and Alex Collins came out, and the 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 attention from the schools that I was getting, I was like, I, I you could, I was like, it's, this is something I I, I want to pursue. That I know I can do it, and uh, you know, I could have went and ran track at certain schools too, but I just knew football was just something that I had uh, a unique talent and a, a gift that could set me apart, and you know, just be you know, that. That's what I fell in love with, just the. Just the different talent that you know not everybody has. You can see the different things between each player, and mine was different. So that's what made me fall in love with the game, and uh, just playing and having that fun. Scoring a touchdown is really nothing like it. No matter what level it's on, scoring a touchdown is not really a feeling else in any other sport really like it. So you know, just fell in love with the game uh, around my junior year, and I, I just knew that's what I wanted to do for my life. I really don't see myself sitting behind a desk. I never did, uh, but. This is what I knew I wanted to do in my life, and it's a sacrificing thing. Like waking up at five o'clock in the morning to go run till you throw up is not fun, but it's something you have to do for what you love. And you know, what I'm saying I would do it ten times over again, no matter what. Well, if four two five speed doesn't happen overnight, maybe it does. I don't know. You're blessed athletically. I know that much. Now we're getting down to the end of the show, but I know that. You were born in Germany, from what I understand. Uh, how much of your life did you spend in Germany, and did you move directly to Florida? Because I know you played high school in Florida, so was that a direct move from Germany to Florida, or was there some stops in between? 
Oh, I think that's a false statement on Wikipedia or something. I was never, I've never been to Jeremy. <laughs> I've been born and okay. raised in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, all my life. But <laughs> okay. I'm saying, you're so not that's the good. first person to say that, so I think it's a false fact that's out there from somewhere online. But I've never visited Germany a day in my life. <laughs> well, that that's why we asked the questions to to clarify these things. So that's definitely good yeah. to know. All right, so born and raised in Florida. Now, uh, we have the National Scouting Combine coming up at the end of the month where we're looking forward uh, to watching you perform. Of course, we're going to have laser times, handheld times, scouts in attendance, and like I said earlier in the show, I believe you'll be the fastest human being walking around the uh, Indianapolis stratosphere that week. But, um, you know, I understand what I'm going to see. I expect to see a guy that – uh, is first of all extremely fast, is extremely dangerous in space. You'll get to do some positional work and show off the athleticism that we've discussed. But what are your goals? What are your expectations heading into the combine showcase? What do you hope scouts will walk away saying to themselves after your performance? Uh, well, there's no goals that are, nobody can have that's bigger than mine. So, um, always been something uh you know values make sure like if i don't believe in myself i expect nobody else to believe me so i always set the bar higher than anybody can set it for me just like that's just how i am that's how i work that's how my mentality is i'm going to be the best no matter what and what i want the scouts to take away is no matter you know the journey no matter how little playing time no matter what it's just a talent that you can't deny, and somebody knows how to use it, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that one team that sees a player that they know that they have a player in and they know how to use it to their fullest potential. And knowing that you get a hard worker, you know, somebody that loves the game and is going to work no matter what and not even be told to, like, just willingly do what he has to do to make it happen. And that's what that's I always look to perform. I always look to put on a show because when I want somebody to lead on this, I want them to remember like, man, that kid was that that was something I never seen before. That was special. And that's all every time I touch the field, that's fourteen yards of carry, averaging for every time I touch the ball, I want that lasting impression at the end of it to be like, That was something special. I've never seen that before. And that's how I always no matter what I live to play it. I love to play it in front of crowds. I live to put on a performance. I love to put on a show. I love to entertain. At the end of the day, when it's all done, I want you to be, man, that was, that, that, that was something special to watch. All right, very good. One or two more for you, for you before we let you go. Uh, I, I could talk football here with you all day. You mentioned you still talk to Jameis. Um, have you had a chance to touch base with Jameis Winston recently? And if so, have you had a chance to kind of pick his brain about the whole NFL draft process in, in terms of what to expect? Uh, yeah, I actually talked to him last week for a little bit. Me and James are still pretty close. Uh, <laughs> from the time I was at Florida State, I, when I say learning the game, if if James wasn't the biggest part of it, probably more than Coach Fisher and the rest of them, and I don't know what, he used to literally drag me in the film and with him. And we just sit there for hours after practice and just watch film. He'd be teaching to me. And you got to think, this is a Heisman Trophy winner. He, Year one and year two was no no let off. He always put me under his wing and tried to bring me up with him. And that says a lot about him and and his character. You know, he doesn't have to take that time out to to teach a freshman the game of football to help him be better. 
he always pushed me to strive to be the best. And, you know, that's one thing I'm forever grateful because he was really my biggest mentor throughout this whole thing, especially at Florida State, because he, he believed in me. He invested his personal time into helping me along with him become a better athlete, a better person. And, you know, we still have a great relationship now. And uh, we talked a little bit about the process. All, every, all, you know, everywhere I've been, he's always made sure, you know, to keep, keep me positive spirits. And he always like, man, you're going to make it, man. Just have to keep, you know, keep your head down and work. That's all we always talk about, just work. As long as you grind, something's good going to come out of it. And, uh, you know, to this day, I'm really appreciative for the role that he's had in my life and the impact he's made in my life. Well, you know, it's funny because all these wannabe draft Knicks when Jameis was coming out for the draft and all these people that were just assassinating his character and piling on him, uh, they couldn't be any more wrong. So with that being said, do you feel like there's any misperceptions or anything that you need to clear up out there about yourself before we wrap it up? Uh, I mean – like, I, I, it doesn't bother me what people feel about me or think about me because, like, who are, you know, I, I, nobody's nobody's perfect. Nobody's able to judge anybody. Nobody, you know what I'm saying? The way I think about it, they talk bad about Jesus. So I, they, if they talk bad about the most perfect man that walked, they're going to talk bad about anybody else that walked the earth. So why should I waste my time, you know, worrying about what others feel about me? If you knew me for me, if you if, if people got the chance to know me for me, then they would know that maybe what they hear or what they see isn't is is it what I really am. And you know, but who and if that's up to that person they want to take the time to figure that stuff out, you know what I'm saying? And you know, people are gonna talk bad, think bad about you regardless, but I know who I am and people that know me know who I am. All my coaches, no matter what have they have heard about me, they know that that's not me because they've got the time to know me on a different level than just a TV show for six hours when it was filmed for six months. Like, some people don't even realize that. We were filmed every day for six months, and they only put six hours of a show into it. So what what happened to the other, what, hours of the film? You don't know, but, you know, you can base off what mm-hmm. you see, but that's not that whole story all the time. And it doesn't bother me at all because that's, you know, people don't think what they want. But, you know, I just, you know, sometimes your perception isn't always true. And just like Jameis, his perception isn't true. If you know Jameis for Jameis, you know that's not Jameis. You know, everybody has their slip-ups. Everybody's not perfect. Everybody's going to, you know, have their ups and their downs. But that doesn't define them as a person. It's just them in the moment, how they dealt with the situation. You learn some things like that. You grow. And that's what life is about, growing from previous experiences to previous situations. And you learn how to handle things differently, but that doesn't define you as a person. And, you know, that's one thing, you know, I've learned through James' situation. Everybody just put it, it's always happening. But, oh, just like, that's not the James I know, and I know James. So you go ahead and feel how you want to feel, but I know for a fact his true character and him as a true person because I've gotten, I've built that relationship. So I know the real James. You don't. You just know what you see, you know. And that's just different. Hey, you know, it doesn't bother me either way. But whoever wants to take the time to figure out the real John Franklin is always welcome you'll see that well, uh, no. it's a real genuine person. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I think you have the right mentality, and part of the reason why we wanted to have you on the show was so the NFL teams can listen to this interview and get to know you, and, and you're doing a great job uh, breaking it all down for us. So with that being said, I, I've kept you much longer than I anticipated. I greatly appreciate the time. Uh, we always wrap up every episode with this last question, and, I, and I'll get you out of here on this one, I promise. 
the stage is yours. The platform is yours. We don't know who's listening, coaches, scouts, GMs, whatever the case may be, but I'll give you a second here to, to, to sell yourself to any team that might be listening. Uh, tell me why I should draft Jonathan Franklin the third come April. You're going to get a, a winner. Anybody, so you're going to get somebody that, that no matter how it has to get done, the job is going to get done. And uh, that's just the bottom line, a true winner and a, a hard worker, motivation, and, you know, the, the mind that just look at my journey, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to turn around. I'm just going to keep going no matter what because, you know, just my determination, my mindset. When I want something, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to go get it. And that's just the mindset I've had since I was a kid. You're going to get a hard worker, a winner, and a relentless, relentless person that's going to go after what he's going after along with. That's just the intangibles. The intangibles are going to speak for itself. I'm going to run fast. I'm going to perform. And that's just what's on tape. That's, I don't, that's not something I need to speak of. You know, you can, you can watch the tape and see that. But a leader, you know, I'm, I have, I'm not going to be in trouble. And, you know, I'm just going, I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to get my job done no matter what it takes at the end of the day. Well, this has been uh, an enlightening interview. My um, – most enjoyable interview of the draft season and we greatly appreciate you for taking the time and I know it went a little bit longer than I anticipated but I think it needed to be done I think we need to get your story out there and uh, we'll have a lot more to come leading up to the combine showcase at the end of the month but I know you probably got another workout to get back to so uh, Jonathan will definitely be chatting soon and looking forward to meeting you in person out in Indianapolis. I uh, appreciate you having me on, you know, giving me the opportunity. Uh, forever grateful, you know, look forward to seeing the Indy and making this thing happen. Absolutely. Can't wait to uh, hand out the NFL Draft Bible sponsored neck braces because Jonathan Franklin III is going to be turning some heads. And we've got the laser times because the scouts aren't going to believe their handheld times. So we've got the laser times to back it up. You heard him. He's been clocked 425-428 at Auburn. And we are anticipating a uh, outstanding 40-yard dash time along with great positional work. You heard him talking about uh, working out at the Fit Factory down in Fort Lauderdale with Travis Shelton, getting his route running sharpened up, getting his technique polished, getting uh, familiar with going up against the the cornerbacks uh, on a more frequent basis. So the best is yet to come. And depending if you're a glass half full or a glass half empty, you know, we've seen guys like a um, swoops from um, Texas last year, make the transition from quarterback to tight end. And you see the Seattle Seahawks working with developing his game. And I think that, you know, there's going to be a team that falls in love with this speed because this is not something you can teach four to five speed. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gives John Ross a run for his money, but it, a guy also that's been around a lot of great offensive minds. I mean, Lane Kiffin, Gus Malzahn, Jimbo Fisher, uh, Jameis Winston. I mean, these are just incredible names to learn from, to be a sponge and absorb off of. And, you know, while there may not be, Stability, you know, maybe that's not the theme of his playing career, four teams in five years, but he's well-traveled. He's well-experienced in, in diversity and different situations. Being a team player, you know, being 
you know, whatever's asked you heard him say he wasn't really a big fan of playing quarterback, but he kind of just fell into it because that's what the coaches thought would be best for the team. And that's what he's done. And everywhere he's been, he's put the team first. So it was great to get him on here, have JF3 tell the story straight from the horse's mouth. And you can follow him on JF3 underscore five on Twitter. He's got a huge, huge following. Uh, he has gone international with his following, uh, thanks to shows like Last Chance You. And um, I can tell you firsthand all the, all the footage that's just laying there on on the edit, you know, the cutting room floor. You know, six months of filming and only six hours of airtime. So you know, TV shows have to earn their ratings, and, and the uh, perception deception out there you could take it for what it's worth. But I know, just speaking to him here. You heard him say uh, that was the most humbling experience for him, and he really grew as a man there at East Mississippi Community College before you know, going on to Auburn and his mission there and landing with FAU this past year and Lane Kiffin going on to great success with an 11-3 and overall record and uh, capping it off with the Boca Raton ball, of course, the big win there. But um, you're going to see a guy, like I said, plays well in space, uncoachable speed, tremendous athleticism, six foot and a half, 186 pounds. That's where he sees himself playing at the next level and just big chunks of yardage. He's going to rip off big chunks of yardage every time he touches the ball, at least 14 yards gained. Uh, This is, you know, nothing to sneeze at here, folks. Uh, This is a player not getting any attention (laughs) for the upcoming NFL draft, and I don't know why. But hopefully that is going to start to change beginning today, right here on the NFL Draft Bible Player Spotlight Show. So remember, you heard it here first at the NFLDraftBible.com, bringing you the names you need to know first since 2002. It's what we do. I've been your host, Rick Saratella, telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL Draft. And we greatly appreciate JF3, Jonathan Franklin III, for taking the time out of his busy schedule to lay it all out on the line, to break down his story, get it all out on the table. And I can guarantee you uh, NFL scouts and evaluators, decision makers are going to be very appreciative of getting to know this young man. And we look forward to showcasing him once again at the National Scouting Combine, February 26th through the 28th out in Indianapolis. We'll be there. NationalScoutingCombine.com. Make sure you check out the NFLDraftBible.com. We'll have this interview in its entirety, along with an in-depth scouting report on Jonathan Franklin III. Of course, you can catch it on Blog Talk Radio. We're also on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter, at NFL Draft Bible. but it's been another extravaganza bonanza in the books here on the NFL Draft Bible Player Spotlight Show. We appreciate you all for tuning in. And bearing with me, fresh out of the dentist chair, Novocaine and all, like I told JF3. So we'll catch you next time, everybody, for another edition.